Welcome in to the podcast with currently no name, but lots of information with George and Ray. George, take it away. Hello, I'm George. I've been uh, doing this for a while, I guess, with Ray. We started in, what, back in 2009. Uh, prior to that, I never, ever paid attention to politics, never watched the news. But if you remember, in January of 2009, we had an event where an administration comes in, and within 100 days, you know, we're borrowing a trillion dollars, taking over a couple of car companies, a couple of banks, and threatening to take over all of healthcare. And so it's time to wake up, guys. You fast forward to today, 2020, we got another new administration that really doesn't agree with America's founding principles. And that's where we are today. Yeah, and I think uh, prior to 2009, I was more involved than you. I just wrote checks to Republicans, and that worked out well. <laughs> and uh, I think that that uh, brought about the original Tea Party movement, as you know. Right. And uh, they came back uh, together when Trump arrived on the scene. And now, of course, uh, they stole the election from him. And uh, and I'm sure we'll here, get into that at some point. Yeah. Here we are. And right. uh, so the goal of this here, guys, is to just give you some information um, focused on factual, actual, verifiable information. Allow you guys to chew on it as you listen in and hear some of the discussion, and then maybe give you a way to do something about it. So clearly, what's going on right now, uh, I find it unrecognizable. It feels to me like you remember in the '80s when you're in grade school or before some of you guys were born, I'm sure. But you know, we always to talk about how Russia was Pravda. You know, they had this propaganda machine. Today, I think Pravda would be embarrassed with how bad our media is right now as far as making up stories, not sticking to facts, actually manipulating video to make people look like they're saying things they aren't. And I think it's incredibly important to do your research. So we have to start focusing on, you know, get to the real data. What's the real facts? And the other thing is uh, I've never seen America so involved in censoring information. I mean, right now, if you take a particular view that is counter to the you know, current one-party rule, uh, they will take you off Twitter. They will take you off Facebook. If you dare to go and create your own platform, Amazon will step in and take you away entirely by kicking you off their servers. I, I just don't think we've ever seen this level of, of going in and just destroying what we used to call free speech. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. A couple clarifications, though. First of all, I don't know why you're so upset with this fake news. I mean, the advertisers are still paying for it. So obviously it has some value. So I don't know. You, just relax about that. Yeah, you right. put the, You make up the news and you put it out there and the advertisers pay. And then the advertisers tell you how to live your life also. The other thing is, you said, uh, we've never seen America do this censorship. America's not doing this. America is George and Ray. True. Or who, hopefully. Who, who have you censored today? Uh, never. In okay. fact, in, in, in my day job as an engineer, the first thing I look for is someone who has a different opinion. Because if it's everybody agreeing, the product's never going to do what you want it to do. You've got to have that difference of opinion. But in, in today's world, it seems like we're, we're stifling that. And to give you some historical perspective, if you go back and look at, you know, the origin of the First Amendment, the idea was to guarantee the right to express ideas and information. And I'm reading this from history.com, right? On a basic level, it means that people can express an opinion, even an unpopular or unsavory one, without fear of government censorship. 
currently, if you say certain things, you will be censored. They will try to put you in jail. But on the flip side, if you go and actually do something like, let's say, have a riot and burn down a building in the name of Black Lives Matter, you're just expressing free speech. In this dichotomy of between, you know, if you're on one side, you can pretty much literally get away with murder. On the other side, you can't even speak that, hey, you know, men shouldn't be going into girls' restrooms. And it's just an unbelievable thing. And they always talk about the the limits on each of these freedoms that we always talk about, like especially the Second Amendment. But even the First Amendment, the whole thing about you can't yell fire in a theater. It turns out you can yell fire as long as it doesn't get anybody hurt. And so the rule was always, does it form a clear and present danger? Is your speech going to form a clear and present danger? And clearly talking about, you know, someone stole the election, it wasn't a clear and present danger. It was looking at data and facts. But you can literally not say that anywhere now, that the the election was stolen. As you started off with, my first thought was, okay, they're already going to rip us off on Facebook. Well, it doesn't doesn't matter. And, and George – this isn't an intellectual exercise. See, you're too smart, <laughs> but you have to be, and I understand. But we, we're going to intellectualize about a lot of things on, on here. And uh, for my money, it's got nothing to do with it. There are evil people trying to destroy our country and take away our liberties. It's not an intellectual exercise. They've already decided where we're going. And um, part of the... Uh, issue I have with even doing what we're doing is if it just becomes an intellectual exercise, you can explain in, in, in uh, re- real fine detail what the Constitution means. Lots of people can. We're not going to have that Constitution much longer, as I see it. True. Um, and we'll talk about that in the end of today's uh, podcast when we talk about what could happen if the filibuster goes or if some of these new um, resolutions get adopted. You know, it it used to be that, you know, the Walter Conkites and the Tim Russerts, you never knew what their opinion was. They just reported the facts. I mean, Tim Russert in particular was kind of amazing because it wasn't until a couple of years before he died that I knew he was a Democrat. Because when he would cover a presidential election, he would give you both sides of the story. And that was so that you could make up your mind. But you're right. I think emotion is the motivator anymore. If you can... um, throw out a picture or make a statement that creates a very strong emotional response, like the picture of some police officer having his foot or his knee on someone's neck. That's a very emotional picture. But nobody ever steps back and says, well, okay, yeah, it was really on his shoulder, and the guy was, you know, overdosed on fentanyl. So the facts never get into it. By the time you even see the facts, the emotions already made up your mind. It reminds me of the movie... um, with Will Smith and, and Gene Hackman, uh, Enemy of the State. There's a line in there where the CIA agent that's the bad guy, he says, I want the world to know he's lying before he even opens his mouth. And that's where we are today. So if you're expressing a conservative opinion, they've already pre-programmed everything else around what they're reporting to say, this guy's going to be lying before he even opens his mouth. You know he's going to be lying. Don't pay attention to him. And so that's kind of the mountain we've got to climb. They've created this emotional uh, state 
where you know you should fear conservatives. You should fear anyone who talks about their rights in, in the era era of COVID. Talking about your rights is now means oh you're being selfish, and that's clearly not the point. I mean, it used to be you only got vaccines for something that was deadly to a large percentage of the population, but now it's you know you're going to have to carry around a vaccine passport. Clearly, this country wasn't founded on the idea that you need papers to move around to go see a cinema or do anything. It, we're, we're just venturing into territory that I think is extremely dangerous. Well, you, I mean, uh, we're in the state of Ohio. Everybody's still walking around with a mask on. They should have never had a mask on from day one. Uh, it's not about a virus. It's about control and seeing what they can make people do. And that's, once again, that's what they're doing and they're getting away with it. And we're too rich in this country. We're too comfortable. We've got TV. Everybody's got multiple TVs and cars in the driveway. We're just, you know, in the Declaration of Independence, it describes it, that, you know, when it when these things are sufferable, meaning we can take it, right. we won't do anything about it. So I'm waiting for it to get insufferable. Well, and that's... Uh in my opinion, that's where we are right now. It's the old boil the frog thing. If you throw a frog in cold water in a pot and turn the heat up slowly, the, the frog will stay there until he's dead, until he's fully boiled. And that's what they've been doing with America for the last 20, 25 years. If anything like this had happened in the 70s or 80s, the whole country would have been up in arms. Nobody would have put up with this stuff. But since they've been sort of inoculating us slowly over time, Oh, yeah, we'll put a mask on. It's only 15 days, right? So no big deal. You know, here we are. We also have a huge problem, and this will be for a segment for another day, but we tend to support candidates of a certain party, and then they turn around and do the same stuff that we're talking about. And uh, that's why we got to figure out what to call this thing, George, because, you know, everybody thinks that uh, uh, liberty people like us are Tea Party nuts came along because we didn't like Obama. It had nothing to do with him. No. It was the growth in the federal government and the spending and uh, the craziness, uh, wars that go on for 15, 20 years. Right. And, and you know, in, in Ohio, we have a uh, – I, I can't even call him a rhino. The guy's a dictator at this point, making up rules as he goes along. So clearly we've got to find a way to uh, get the people who – are not saying much right yeah. now. I mean, there, there's at least half the country that doesn't agree with what's going on, but we're so reluctant to not do, you know, just go to work, do our job, come home, take yeah. care of our own little family. That's And that's the issue. The, the people who believe in the founding of America believe in personal responsibility and taking actions based on what's best for their family. And, and that's why it's good. In the next segment, uh, Rocky's going to be talking about his book, Rocky Rules. And Rocky's rules are based on personal responsibility and his experience of, of pushing through bad issues. So uh, that's kind of what we want to get back to. The idea of personal responsibility leads to personal liberty, which leads to, you know, your family is successful. Uh, I'm with you there. We got to figure out, folks, what to call this thing. This is our maiden voyage on this podcast. And uh, as George said, we're going to figure out how to get you involved and get you to help us do things. 
For now, it is the podcast with no name. It's going to get a name at some point with George and Ray. You can uh, contact them at info at restoreliberty.us. And as they mentioned, coming up next, former NFL player, radio host, and politician himself, Rocky Boyman, will join the show as we continue the podcast with no name with George and Ray. into the podcast with no name with George and Ray. Our special guest now, Rocky Boyman, the author of Rocky's Rules, former NFL player, current talk radio host, and uh, local product from St. Xavier High School. George, take it away. Well, we won't hold the St. Xavier against you since I'm an elder guy, but <laughs> other than that. Rocky, You're okay, too, for a Panther. Yeah, right. Haven't seen you for a while. And and actually, when we first met, must have been that last year when you were in the NFL, but you were starting to you know come to the Green Township meetings and stuff. Yeah. And I, I remember being impressed from the get-go with how conservative, how practical you were. And then the book comes out, and it's like that's just – you know, gives the background for where you're coming from on a lot of this. So I, I guess my big thing is, how did this start? What was the motivation for, for writing a book about, you know, practical applications of how you get through to adversity? Well, it, there's a bunch of different ways it started. But, uh, I mean, number one, doing my talk show, we, we talk obviously about a lot of issues and things like that. And the one thing that kept coming to me and was – Got it. In these times we're living in, you got to be mentally tough, right? You got to right. have a, a base. You got to have some foundation, some principles in order to get through this world because it's nuts, right? And and also going along with that, I'd kind of I, I I'm always people. I, I always if I have a thought in my head, I'll just kind of either text it to myself or email it to myself or send a little voice message, you know, kind of thing, just so I remember it. And I was yep. thinking about the, some of the things that I found important in terms of life principles and you know i got young sons and what are some right. things i want to make sure i instill into them so uh, i have all these emails and things myself going on so there's that part there's so it's like two things and then i, I came across a book by uh, jordan peterson called 12 rules for life and I'm, i don't know if you know who jordan peterson is. he's you should you would love him okay. he's a psychologist super brilliant uh backs up everything with with facts and knowledge i mean just check out his stuff on on, on youtube he's again very you know not politically correct but you can't argue with him because it's all right. database anyway so he had this book called 12 rules for life and it's good but it's wonky right it's right. it's pretty out there and it's, you'll it's, love it you'll it, love it yeah <laughs> yeah you would love it george you'll breeze right through it I, I an idiot like myself takes a long time to get through it but it was good but at the end of it, I was like, 
you know, this is great, but, you know, what are my rules for life, right? right. Here's kind of some things he laid out there, but what are my rules for life? So I kind of took those three things. Again, the, my thinking that, boy, now is the time. you got to be mentally tough. you got to have some foundation. you got to have some principles to live by. I had these ideas going, and then that all kind of came together. And well, The writing. book is excellent. So I, it, it arrived in, in my Amazon box, you know. So I, I looked at it. I, I made the mistake of reading the preface and the introduction. And it's like, I'm not going to get any work done today if I don't put this thing down. <laughs> right. So I literally read it in an hour and a half at night. And, and it, to me, it strikes me as just common sense. And the examples, I mean, clearly – I'm not an NFL football guy, mm. but the the examples are perfect. And I think more than anything, it's a great way to say, hey, younger generation, not everything's going to be given to you. Forget right. what you're hearing in the press about, you know, you deserve a living wage or whatever. You've got to work for it. Right. Yeah. I think the table of contents just tells the story. But the thing that Rocky's done with this, because some of it's stuff that you would have thought in the past, but he nails it. When he talks about the distraction and the disorganization because of social media yeah. and how much time is spent on that, I just think that that it's a huge problem in our country uh, with all this ADD and ADHD, whatever that stuff is, is people don't stay focused. And as I see younger folks in the workforce, it's just a tragedy. I, yeah. And, and to your point, I, I think there's going to be two types of people moving forward. It's those who use social media and all the technology because it's wonderful right there's some oh, amazing yeah. things i mean i, I think of the, the knowledge i can get them i i don't i pick up more when i listen to things versus read it so i can throw on a podcast i can get a youtube clip on something and listen to it so i mean you know you can utilize technology to your benefit but there's also the other route is all the time that's wasted on it, all the bickering and all the you go down the rabbit hole and I've oh, done yeah. it, everybody's done it. You know, like somebody says something on Twitter and then I go back and forth on them and then I look back and go, I, I've just spent four hours of my day arguing with this idiot, <laughs> right? Who and, you don't and, even know probably. And, and nothing was resolved. You're not going to resolve anything in 260 characters or whatever it is. So just, you know, kind of let it go. So it's, it's, I think that's one thing. To your point, nothing in the book is like – revolutionary that people have never heard before i think it's different from the things you normally hear but it's not just earth shattering but i think you add on to the part that we're living in a little bit of a newer world with social media and those yeah, other distractions people got to have a road map and i don't think they understand it anymore and this points to that you didn't get to where you were or george got to where he is by not having a road map yeah. without, without doing something and i just think there's so much distraction there's a lack of uh seriousness of purpose, mm -hmm. uh, sense of urgency is falling away. And I think that goes back to, as you say, there's going to be two types of people yeah. and people who can, uh, I think, grasp some of the things you're saying. Or, you yeah. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, if you step back away from the sports analogies and think of it in today's, I, I guess you'd call it political climate. I, I think of it more of as America's climate, but those rules still apply. I mean, personal responsibility is key mm -hmm. to liberty. If you if you don't have one, you can't have the other. Right. And we seem to be in a time where they are de-emphasizing the fact that what is happening to you is 99.9% .9 because of what you did, not because of the environment you're in or whatever. Right. I mean, clearly there are environmental factors. But, you know, if you're stuck in the second string and you know that 
you know, you're probably not going to play. And if you don't prepare for that, you're when they do put you in, you're going to fall on your face. Right. Well, and you're right. I mean, personal responsibility is, is one of the things I think that is, is lacking. And that's one of the main things I learned through sports was, you know, look, I'm in charge of my, my ship here. Right. And if right. it doesn't get there, it's, it's ultimately my fault. And I think that needs to be reminded. I mean, for an example, that last week there was a story about a NFL player. You probably saw it. I believe it was down in Atlanta. You know, shot and killed this this family, two right. young kids and all this. And what immediately everyone said, oh, it's concussions. I'm like, wait a minute now. Like that, because what that does, and maybe that's part of the equation. Right. But by saying that's initially the reason this happened, A, that's ludicrous. B, it's removing the personal responsibility and his responsibility and, and actions in that, which was killing these people. Like, right. But it's always. But I think it's it's the NFL's fault. Right. It's, it's the NFL's fault. fault. It's football's fault. It's the it's the helmet makers' fault. It's all these sort of things. Instead of saying, and again, look, there's there's bad things out there, and there's there's forces that are working against us. But I, I think the focus needs to get back to how am I reacting to this, and how am I focusing on what I can control, which is being my best and digging deep and working hard and and, and being as I said mentally tough because this world's a tough place and, and you got to have that that's the number one thing again the sports taught me is 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 the, the importance of mental toughness I, I get in the book about bullying ask anybody and they'll say yeah bullying is a big problem in our society but my point is Bullying isn't going to stop. There's what, how many billion people on this earth right now? From Human. caveman on. So rather than try bullying. to find every millions and millions, tens of millions of instances of bullying going around the country mm. and stopping it, how about you just make yourself as resistant as you damn possibly can to that? And that's probably a better strategy, in my opinion, than trying to, oh, well, you're bullying my kid, or well, that guy over there is bullying my, my right. sister, and all that sort of thing. It's just not practical. One, one of the chapters gives me some concern. Chapter 9, mm-hmm. be flexible, not rigid. And I understand the whole thing, and I know I've been flexible, and my views have changed over time. But when I think about what's going on in our country, and I know that you have some interest in maybe serving, uh, you served a township and maybe you want to serve somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about Washington or even Columbus and this flexible thing, what I worried about is what people think they're, oh, we're compromising. And I don't think they are at all. I think they're capitulating. And so I, I would, I'm cautious when I, mm-hmm. when, I, when I read that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute here. Because there's some things we must be rigid about in our beliefs if we believe in the First Amendment, we won't have it anymore without the Second Amendment. You know, if we believe that life begins at conception, that's what we believe. We're not flexible about that. Right. If, if marriage is between a man and a woman, that's what it is. And you ought to use the restroom <laughs> that you're supposed to, right? So uh, uh, I enjoyed that chapter, but I, that, those thoughts no, I, hit me. I, I, I see what you're saying on that, but I, I think, you know, look, it, everything is not all one way and all the other. I mean, the, the book is a book of principles, so clearly I feel that principles are important to have. Absolutely. But for that, I, I guess that was more of a, hey, just don't shut yourself down in, in your line of thinking. I mean, I, I listen to all media, right, left, way left, all that, just because I, I want to get some information then, again, personal it's my personal responsibility right. to filter out what's bs what is good that sort of thing i just think we've got to be cautious not to shut ourselves off completely to get it, allow the information and come from to us and then decide from there what we do with it there's an engineering analogy as well one of the main engineering rules is in god we trust all others bring data and so <laughs> correct I, i'm i have a reputation of being fairly strong-willed in the engineering world i will present my ideas 
But the other thing I always finish that up with is if you can give me data that says I'm wrong, I will switch in a heartbeat. Because the last thing that that you want to hear is, oh, you know, that jet engine shut down and those people died because it was the wrong idea inside that program. I mean, you just can't do that. So flexible means flexible with data. I mean, there are certain principles that you can't break. That's the beauty of engineering versus politics. The laws I live with are physics and mathematics. And they don't change every four years. You you don't vote on the value of pi. It is what it is. But, I mean, Ray, to your point, when it's a principle – like life begins at conception. Mm. I'm sorry, biologically, engineering, everything says that's true, and you can't convince me with a survey that that's not true. Right. Yeah, and it's like you know, like, like I said, it's just more being open to because you know, that's what I mean. Look, look at that's what social media is. It's everyone saying this thing and one saying this thing, and no one's really. And that's a poor place for a conversation to take place anyway. But it, again, it's just and it's an environment info, and then making your own choice, but also making it your choice, not just. I, I think people need to learn how to think for themselves too. Everyone says kind of just depends on someone else right. to do their thinking for them and just regurgitate Fruit it instead. Thing. Right. You just you here's how I think. Boom. Mm. There you go. Yeah, and the big thing with Facebook is it's encouraging this thought that if you get enough people on your side, by definition you're correct. Well, I'm sorry, you yeah. know, saying whether or not masks are effective isn't an opinion. That's that's a scientific fact, yes or no. Right. And you can look at the data and figure that out. Having an emotional response to it just means you're never going to get to looking at the data. Right. Well, I mean, to that point, I mean, lockdowns. Ask me a year ago, okay, maybe we, we do need to lock down. We've got to figure out where we're going with this. But now the data has shown, right, that lockdowns do not work. Right. Compare Florida and California. Same amount of, you know, same basically amount of deaths. One state is locked down, still locked down. The other state, right. Florida, has been opened up for a long time here. So that, that's a major example. You can look at Europe. They've locked down about 17 different times. Yep. It's never helped. You know, so again, that's where you say, okay, that, that's something I may have thought this way a year ago. But as I look at the data and I crunch these numbers every day, you know, doing what right. I do for a living, and my mind and the data says that they don't work. So let's try something else to get rid of this. Let's go back to a personal level. So Bo's, what, seven? Seven, seven years old, yeah, my oldest son. So he's in first grade then? Uh, yes, first grade. So he's starting to get that influence of other kids and parents oh, yeah. and teachers. How's that going <laughs> and how's that? how do you feel that with your principles and the, the things you've written about? Yeah, it's good. It's good because I think uh, you know any kid's got to be out there. The natural tendency is for parents, I think, to – Shelter your kid, and what's the term? Helicopter parent, and, and try yep. to, or, or uh, snowplow parent, right? right? Get every everything out of the way. But uh, you know, I know from experience, you do. Uh, most everybody, when it comes down to it, knows that that that's you, you got to allow them to fail. You got to allow them to around. I, I just don't think you can try to shelter your kid away from all the evils in the world because they're there. And again, yes. like as I said earlier, they're, they're going to be somewhere to try to shelter them all. My my, my wife's sister. Uh, it, it, is one of those folks that's oh I, this is evil here let's pull my kids over here and let's you know, let's you know, homeschool them let's make sure they're not out there and all this sort of thing and it's like man you know at some point teach them to, to be strong and deal with these things that's, that's what i'm trying to do with my son again give him the, my principles and, and things i've learned along the way but but also your own experiences drive you there's nothing like personal experience right you know, that that's what right. really helps helps develop you so i'm gonna uh, but i i feel a responsibility in you know he's seven years old that's when the main fathering and right. parenting needs to be taking place you, you right. know you, if you that doesn't happen you try to start being a parent 
at, at age 12 or 13, the party's over, in my opinion. Yeah, I have an eight-year-old grandson, and he had his first computer when he was four years old. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, he's taking apart one. He now likes to go in and just figure out what's going on. But, you know, that's the curiosity you got to feed. In the same way, you know, on the flip side, he, he was talking about he got pushed down at school the other day. It's like, okay, either avoid that person or learn how to defend. Right. You know, don't hit him, but learn how to not fall down the next time. Right. It, it's uh, got to be on you. He's about at the age he should read this book. I think everybody should get this book and read it. I think everybody should get Everybody. That. <laughs> That's exactly and, right. And I'm not getting a cut. <laughs> but I think it's e- an easy read. I think you can pass it around to friends. And uh, uh, I think it's uh, wonderful that you did this, that you put the thoughts down. And you did a good job with it. And uh, are you going to tell them how to get this book? Yeah. So, uh, again, the book is called Rocky's Rules, and it's on Amazon. You can get there. It's uh, 20 bucks. And full disclosure, I'm seeing about three dollars of that. Okay, so I, I you know, I'm I not more than I expected. Yeah, actually, I, I am not uh, making, you know, it's not making a mint or anything. But it's important to get out there. I mean, it's sold about eleven, twelve hundred copies, which is which is pretty cool in a short amount of time Absolutely. with lockdowns, and I haven't been able to really get out and do any book signings. But uh, yeah, it's on Amazon called Rocky's Rules. It's got some great reviews on it. And uh, to your point, that's one of the one things when I sat down to write it is. George, I don't know about you, you, but I have a lot of books in my house that are 300 plus pages that are, yep. you know, about one ninth read. Right. Okay, so I was like, you know, people are busy. There's a lot of things going on. I didn't want to get some huge thick book. This is a book that I think you can finish in an hour and a half, but you can go back and re- reread some things. You can go out of order, and then also again, once you're done with it. Give it to someone and maybe... And that can... was my first reaction when I was finished. It's like, okay, I need to lend this to about 10 different people right yeah. now. Just to, it, It's one of those things you want it to become viral. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I, it was one of the, you know, I've, I've you know, done, you know, been a part of some cool things in my life, but uh, it's one of the prouder things uh, that, that in my life that I've been able to do because a lot goes into it and it, it's hard. It's a oh, lot. golly. Yeah, but it was very rewarding though. So before you head out, I got to ask the one question. What's that? What's next? For me, yeah, I don't know what's next. I, I mean, love what I do right now over at 700 WLW. We've got a great show. Our numbers are great. And uh, calling games for ESPN. And uh, we'll see. Living we'll, the dream right now. Yeah, huh? we'll, we'll see. I got, I got young kids. And uh, maybe if there's some things out, for, you know, in terms of serving after that, we'll, we'll see. But right now, Excellent. life's great. Well, you know where I'll be. I'll, I'll be do whatever you need there, guy. Keep giving them hell. All right. Great stuff. Our special guest, Rocky Boyman, the book Rocky's Rules. Be sure to pick up a copy. When we continue, George and Ray are going to look at some key current federal issues, a couple of must-hear sound bites, and much more as the podcast with no name currently with George and Ray continue.
Thanks again to Rocky Boyman, the author of Rocky's Rules, and we'll give you that information again on how you can pick up his book um, and and much more down the road. But right now, let's get to uh, segment three. It's the podcast with no name with George and Ray, and lots still ahead in this segment, including a fun segment to start things off. Yeah, let's get started off with a section I like to call Looney Tunes. There's a unending number of gaffes and crazy stuff that you hear over time. Um, and so we're going to play some of those big hits there. Let's start off with our, our current president. I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if, you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. <laughs> That's our, that's our president, We're people. We're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Yeah, thank you very much for that uh, insightful look into the workings of the inner mind of Joe Biden. Well, you know, he's going to get things done. and uh, just doesn't know what they are. This is insane. I mean, uh, and, you know, George, you think this guy was elected president, I know, and you don't want me to talk about the fact that he really wasn't, but uh, he's not our president. And uh, what is he talking about? Well, my concern with Obama was always not that he was of a certain racial background. It was that he was a communist. Well, now we've got a president that my concern is not that he has certain thoughts. It's that he has no thoughts. There's just nobody home. So it's very clear he's not running the ship. But he's been told these talking points, and, and the talking point he's on there is the end of the filibuster, which in, in my talks with people like Steve Shabbat and Jim Jordan, if the filibuster's gone, the United States of America is gone because you'll have single-party rule. They can do whatever they want. Nobody can stop them. It's already the Republicans in the House are as useless as an appendix. I mean, they, they could be oh, you, removed and nothing did, would change. You just noticed that. Well, this is just – they're strategically not even allowed to talk in subcommittees anymore. So there's no second view. But we've got a president now that is is, – he's not home. There's nobody home in the top of his dome. I mean the guy can't even keep a stream of thought with a teleprompter in front of him. Um, And he's talking about key federal issues like the filibuster – and, and the other thing that I don't know that many of you are aware of is, is the bills that the House has already passed are ready to change this country forever. Uh, what's called HB1, their name for it is For the People Act, basically allows and, and in fact mandates that the things that caused the 2020 election to go awry are now the law. So you can register and vote on the same day. You must be able to mail in. There should be no signature check on any mail-in ballot. So basically, like everything that happens with the Democrats, the name of the bill is always the exact opposite of the effect. So the For the People Act is really to make it so that for the counters, the counters of the vote, can now determine the outcomes of all elections. Right, right. I mean, you know, I don't know what... More people voted for this Biden guy than voted for Obama. I mean, how'd that happen? This guy was very popular. I mean, he's well-spoken. He's <laughs> a sharp dresser. I mean, he's got a great VP. You yeah. know, and, and uh, you know, the facts are the facts. Uh, he won fair and square, right? No way in God's green earth. If you look at any of the data from this, and I'm sure this gets us blackballed everywhere, but from an engineer's perspective, the data makes no sense whatsoever. 
And it really boils down to five states and actually just one or two counties in those five states. For instance, in, in Michigan, it's, it's just the Detroit area. The anomalies in that alone got him elected. But, but to get back to what they're trying to do now without anyone watching. So you got HB1, the, the total trashing of the voting process. You've got HB5. They call it the Equality Act. So obviously it means they're trying to force inequalities. It, it basically says, and in fact, if you go to congress.gov, which is where you can read the bills, the summary says the bill prohibits an individual from being denied access to a shared facility, including restrooms, locker rooms, dresser rooms, that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. Basically, it means men can go into women's locker rooms, women can go into men's locker rooms, and you're not allowed by law to stop that. Well, and you have a problem with that because, I mean, what's wrong with you? Uh, if my grandson or granddaughter has to go into the room with someone that they don't comfortable with and take a shower in the locker room or whatever, I, I'm sorry, Grandpa's going to be there and he's going to be uh, enforcing some laws. There you go. And, and then let's get to the really fun ones. So the American Dream and Promise Act, it's already been passed. It's basically amnesty for however many million, fill in the blank. It's probably closer to 30 million. Uh, so if you came in here illegally, you didn't go through the front door, snuck in the back, and then just didn't show up, um, you now are a citizen, and you get to vote Democrat for the rest of your life in order to keep getting your free stuff. Yeah, well, what You have a problem with that? I mean, this is the land of opportunity. We're supposed to help the downtrodden. I don't know. It's people like you that just make it so hard on these poor people that come here, and we've got all this wealth. Just give them some, Grandpa, and don't worry about, you know— the people going in the bathroom makes me Come wonder on. why my grandmother went through Ellis Island after all, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and and the other thing that's kind of interesting is if, if you think about it, the people who come into the country through the front door made a choice. We want to come to America because we believe in the American dream. It's not we are, want to come to America because they will give us more free stuff. That's not how you well, grow a country. We, and we used to teach that. You know, we used to be educated about that. And I think you have a clip that speaks to education, do you not? Right. So uh, the next Looney Tune we got on stage for you here is another great one, and this time from our current vice president. More people are seeing that, yeah, affordable child care is a big deal. More parents are seeing the value of educators when they had to bring their kids wow. and said, we're not paying them nearly enough. This is not someone you want to invite More to the people. prom. I mean, she is laughing and cackling at what? the fact that some people had to educate their children at home, and she just thinks it's funny. She's on something, and uh, we need to get some of it. Uh, no thanks, no thanks. I, I I feel my IQ dropping just listening to this woman. I can't afford to lose that many points, really. It, it's just interesting. I, I think what we're facing now is the people who are, quote, the leaders of the country do not agree with America. They do not agree with the American dream as it was originally intended. You know, the American dream used to mean you come here, you work hard, you can be anything you want. My father was a janitor. I'm an engineer now. I paid for everything after grade school. So I went to Elder High School locally. You had to pay for that. It was only 500 bucks a year back then. But 
you know, we had to earn it. We had to pay for our own college. We had to go find our own jobs. And that's the American dream, though. I mean, you, know you can I, go as high as you're willing to work for. You know what I say to that, George? Dream on. Well, I, I hope we can get back to it at some point. We have to get back to it or we're, we're going to go the way of the dodo. I mean, that's just the way it's going to end up. Um, so, hey, guys, we're kind of coming to the end of the first podcast. Uh, we are really interested in getting feedback, good and bad, obviously. Uh, you don't get better by hearing people agree with you. Um, Check us out. We're going to try and get a web page up at RestoreLiberty.us. Uh, you can email us at info at RestoreLiberty.us. We will listen to you, and we'll get back to you hopefully next week with something new. And if you got a suggestion for a name for the podcast, we'll take that as well, because right now it is the podcast with no name with George and Ray. We thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next week.